when I made it to the meetings industry, I realized that there were a ridiculous amount of women uh, working in the industry, but I also realized that the decisions were made by males at the top. And yeah. I think it's important what you're doing, creating a space for women to come together, to connect, to have a channel to voice these things, to create spaces for us to go into those positions. I think it's important to support each other. I think it's important to grow with each other into those directions. And the ones that reach those positions start opening the space in the table for other women to have a say. I think that that's fundamental. I think that that's the most important thing that we should be looking for it to happen in the industry. I think we have a lot of work to do. Welcome to Events Demystified Podcast, where we explore and demystify the world of in-person, virtual, hybrid event AV production and technology by sharing insightful tips, tricks and tactics to make your events a success. This podcast is brought to you by Tree Fan Events, a woman-owned boutique event production agency. And your host is Anka Trafan, a technical event planner and producer with almost two decades of hands-on technical experience in event production. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Events Demystify Podcast, your one-stop shop for tangible, technical, and planning advice for anyone in the events industry. This podcast is sponsored by TreeFun Events, a woman-owned boutique event production agency that provides the strategy, technology, and gear to host a successful virtual hybrid event. And I am your host, Anka TreeFun. As we continue highlighting some amazing women behind the scenes in events and event productions. On the show with me today, I have Jennifer Bello, CMP, President and Executive Producer, Experiential Design, Meeting Planning with a Purpose, Production Management, Destination Sourcing, and everything in between. This is a superwoman that I can't wait for you all to meet. After two decades of experiencing uh, and working in production and event design, Jennifer has achieved extensive knowledge and understanding of the hospitality, tourism, media, marketing, and entertainment industry. This diversity has granted her the ability to build a career with a focus on creating exceptional productions and design designing unique environments that are effective across multiple audiences. Her passion drives her to achieve experiences designed to be memorable. She has conceived, shaped, and managed media production, meetings, programs, and events across several countries while working with the most exclusive brands and clients to deliver exceptional productions. You can learn more about Jennifer, all the things that she does and she's passionate about by following the links in the episode notes. And in the meantime, let's welcome our guest in. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. I feel like I've seen you not too long ago. Uh, maybe like two weeks ago at IMAX. Was it two weeks or was it last week? I don't even, I can, I can keep track of the weeks. It feels like they all run into each other. I think that season just kicked in and we're just running. So the days start just getting mixed and, you know, it's, the planning gets intense. 
It's intense. You know, that was a great time that we spent together. And uh, also, you know, we've had quite a few appointments that we've done and events that we joined. But you know what I remember the most is our first fam trip that we did together right after Connect Marketplace, when we actually met for the first time. And I remember when um, I, you know, got to meet all these people that you were kind of stuck with on a bus for the next few days. So I'm thinking, okay, might as well uh, learn, you know, a few things about each other and get to know each other. And I was thinking, man, this girl, she's a super badass. Like, I need to know her. So as much as I got to know you and confirm that you are indeed a badass, I would love for our audience to get a little bit a background on your story, your journey, what brought you here where you are, and really what keeps you here. Because, I mean, it's been a minute since you've been in events and on different sides of the event industry for sure. So please do share a bit of your journey. Absolutely. And thank you so much for those kind words. Uh, I mean, one powerhouse recognize another one, and you are definitely one. Um, I did love that trip. And one thing that I want to say is that whenever you connect in any of these events and whenever you do anything in this industry, it's the power of connection. It's the power of getting to know people, open your perspective, what makes a difference to me. Uh, and that's exactly how my journey started. So I was born overseas. I have lived in different countries. I made it to this country almost 15 years ago uh, with no knowledge of how to pursue what I was working on already. So I started working in events and production uh, since I think that I haven't done anything else. I have always been mixed with experiential marketing since I was a teenager. Uh, I was involved in creating experiences and providing brands uh, with support, with uh, planning trips and planning uh, programs for companies, even before I knew what really meeting planning was. Um, when I moved to this country, I wanted to do experiential sets. I wanted to do production, and I didn't know how to get about it. So I actually signed up at the university at college to learn interior design and English, because at that time, I didn't even have the language yet. I realized shortly after I signed up for school that there was an amazing thing called stagecraft. So without thinking about it, I just jumped right into it. And within a couple months, I was changing my major to scenic and lighting design. I was all about theater, all about production. I was in, it was my wonderland. I was in a completely uh, story tale and I was, that was my wonderland. Um, that didn't come without challenges. Like I said, I have the language. I was a woman going into a technical uh, field. I was a petite woman going into a production shop in a theater, trying to build sets and telling students what to do in production hours that were sometimes twice my size and with tons of attitude to share. Um, so I learned to adjust. I learned to talk their language. I learned to, uh, bring allies into my journey. And I must say that I'm extremely lucky to have found people throughout my career who has taken the time to teach me, to be with me, to hold me, or to be like, Hey, listen, you got to stand your ground now. So I learned to stand my ground. 
Um, after that, I still continue working in lighting and, and scenic design. I still do up to today. It's a passion. It's a hobby. I love it. I will always do it. Uh, but I started working in the production side of events. I started working with a production company, creating these amazing custom-made uh, sets for experiences. Uh, we did incredible things for high-end brands of all kind, all the way to uh, small productions for local uh, nonprofit organizations. Working in this production field allowed me to get in touch with so many aspects, with so many people, and grow in so many ways that create a path for me, being a Hispanic, small woman of color, going into that industry that is almost 100% male dominated, or it was at the time that I started 15, 12 years ago in the crew scene, you will say. I also did that. I built my way up. I started working as a crew member. I started picking shifts, uh, long days, long hours, um, charging uh, by the day, by the rate, and start working my way up into every role that I could possibly have in the industry. And I did it so happily because I wanted to be there. I wanted to learn. I wanted to know more. I wanted to get involved with the people. I wanted to know who were the key players. I wanted to know what mattered. And that curiosity is what allowed me to keep climbing and climbing. When I reach meetings and events itself as programs, as meeting planning, um, I found myself surrounded by an incredible amount of amazing women planning this event. So it's the first time, the first moment that I reach a side of my career that include women that I could share with. And well, since then has been the last 12, 10 years of an amazing journey, planning incredible experiences because of my background everything that we do in my company has a design component has a, a creative custom component everything that we do is thinking of the brand thinking of the name thinking of the goals that you have as a whole in an image to put it through the events and that's where we at right now that is a fascinating story, Jen. I must say, because a lot uh, of the women that I get to talk to, as you mentioned, they do have the event planning background, but not a lot of them have the event production background. So I must ask, because this season is dedicated to women in event productions, behind the scenes, audio, video, lighting, show calling, technical producers, stage managers, and all the roles in between, and women that have found your way into this field by one avenue or another, what propelled you as a young woman, especially as an immigrant and someone that, you know, for the first time in this country, trying to find her way uh, to go to school for scenic and lighting design and work on the technical side of the theater and, and media production. And you've done short films and documentaries, promotional videos and reels, but pretty good period of time. So what propelled you in the first place? I know that you touched a little bit on that, but I'm I'm just curious, like, what was the motivation behind? Was it something, one thing that just was, okay, this is it. This is what I'm meant to do. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm an incredible supporter and believer of education. Um, I think that education has allowed me not just to get a career, 
but to build a life in a different country. When I moved into the country, I had little knowledge of English, even though that I thought that I spoke English. When I moved here, I was like, I have no idea what I'm saying. I need to learn. So I went and signed up for classes. And when I signed up for classes, I always had a passion for creating. I love to create. I love to bring people into experiences. I love to see people's faces when they see an, a new environment, something that they're not expecting. It may be a set, it may be a lighting, recording a lighting programming, it can be um, an event. Everything that I do has that because from the beginning, I wanted to create that. And I had no idea how to do it. So I figured that I will go to the place that's supposed to teach you those things. And because I also needed to learn English <laughs> better, um, it seemed like a no-brainer to me. I was extremely lucky. Um, after a semester in school, I was able to get a scholarship. I also got a position working in the theater at the university, which completely involved me. It was a, an immersive experience for me. And it just took my world. He just took it. It's like I was so in love with the technical side of it. I was so in love with building it and putting things together and see a world coming to life that means so much to so many people uh, and feel like I was part of that to me was everything. It gave me the push um, to actually pursue. Um, I was going for an associate at the time. Um, I pursue the bachelor's in the field and I continue working on it because like I said, once that I went down that rabbit hole, I never wanted to come back. It's, it's really, really a passion. I love that. That's awesome. Uh, I'm wondering if you could share maybe a few key ingredients for uh, this type of event experience to happen in such a transformative way that, as you mentioned, that it becomes not just the center of your world, but also the center of anyone attending that event. Absolutely. So when I think about events, when I think about sets, when I'm designing lighting, I think about everything that the attendees, the guests, um, the viewers will experience. Um, and it goes from, yes, when you're doing lighting, obviously you are programming lighting, but lighting also gives you sensations because it's associations our brains do. So I pay attention to those sensations. I pay attention to those reactions. Uh, when I'm designing a set, I make sure that the feeling, the color, the temperature, everything has a meaning. Everything is meant to connect uh, with the attendees, everything is meant to be memorable. Maybe not as an individual piece, but as a whole. Like an evening that you will go and see a show and maybe you don't realize what the set was, but it was the perfect set for you to have the best uh, showing of the play. Same thing with lighting. Lighting is something that usually changes everything, but people don't notice. I call it like one of the silent arts because it doesn't, it's not loud, but it shows everything. It's so important, it's so dedicated, it's so deep, but people don't really pay that much attention to it as a, as a single thing. So to me, an experience is when you grab all these elements and put them together and make 
somebody feel that shock of uh, emotions, I guess. I love it. Actually, I have an episode that I was going a little bit more into detail. And I, I love that you're so passionate about how lighting can influence emotions and feelings, because I'm talking exactly about that, how different colors can influence different emotions. And there's an outcome that can be created based on the type of lighting that you use in a space or in a room or in whatever situation that you're in. So I will have to reference that in the episode notes because it's exactly what you're talking about right here. It's all about that experience design. And now that you mentioned that, I want to actually segue into one of the things that you're really uh, passionate about, and that is adapt experiential design. And I must say, this is the first time that I hear those three words used together, you know, in one, in one phrase. So I'm curious as a multicultural background and experience, which you've had, and it has influenced some of your decisions and upbringing. I'm wondering if that's essential to designing and producing experiences for diverse audiences. And as a minority, it's become quite clear for me as well and through our conversation that you do understand the value of inclusion and make every effort to bring that into your meetings and then in your events. And since you're passionate about adaptive experiential design and how fundamental it is to be able to adapt to the state of the world quickly and effectively, for anyone that is hearing this term like I have for the very first time, let's start with the simple definition. What is adaptive experiential design so let's go like to the root of it so what is adaptive something that is adaptive is something that is given to adaptation something that is capable of adaptation when we go up what is adapt itself is a synonym of modify is the capability of designing events that are able to morph to be modified to be adjusted to meet the highest standards. So nowadays, and especially um, since the pandemic, um, things change all the time. Even though that it has change is the only constant that we have in life, that change has been uh, speed up by the pandemic and everything that has uh, come about it. Since we started to see more in in person events, we also see the necessity of attendees and audiences to be connected, to do things, to be engaged. And we went into this frenzy of having zero events to a million in a week. And with that, uh, the needs are not the same. The attendees are not the same. The way that we plan events is not the same. So throughout my experience and coming from a multi background, I started planning events for different cultures, different countries, and different continents, brought me to understand that to really be inclusive, to really be multicultural, to really be diverse, you need to plan events, you need to design experiences that can adapt at all those cultures and all those backgrounds. When you do your demographics for your event, and we all do, and we talk about diversity and we talk about inclusion, how deep are we going into it? Are we talking about, oh, let's just be considered of this culture and this culture and not do this or this? I'm talking, when I talk about adaptive experiential design, I'm talking about a design that is made, taking all those things in consideration from the beginning. 
So when you're designing your theme, you're not thinking it's like, oh, well, maybe we don't do that because of this. No, we're cultural competent, not in all the cultures all the world, but we keep ourselves open to learning and open to understanding so we can adjust our design to meet those needs. And from then on, it's just creating the best experiences ever. What uh, has stepping out of the comfort zone looked like for you in pursuing and planning this uh, type of adaptive experiential design uh, events and applying this concept in your professional pursuits? Well, that's like Monday, Wednesday, Friday tasks. So (laughs) (laughs) I step out of my comfort zone pretty much every day, um, if not in some way or, or another. I am a firm believer of growth, um, like I'm a firm believer of education. I think I will be a, a student for the rest of my life, the same way I will be um, growing for the rest of my life. I will be stepping out of my comfort zone in the rest of my life. Why? First, our industry is always changing. If it's not changing because of the demographics are changing, because the uh, borders are opening, because a new destination is becoming more accessible, so there's uh, more track into the destination. It's growing because on the technical side, the equipment is changing. The way that we communicate is changing. Only in the last two years, we have 300% more platforms to communicate virtually than we had uh, pre-pandemic. So while that happens, I will continue learning. I will continue stepping out of my comfort zone and I will continue growing so I can provide the best service to my clients. The same way, I'm not afraid, nor is my team, to go to the unknown to figure it out for our clients if if it is what our clients need. Because we're partners. So we're here for them. We're the support. We're the person to find the answers if we don't have them. And that requires to get used to and comfortable with the uncomfortable. I love it. So what adaptive tips would you maybe pass along to all the event planners that have not necessarily been familiar with this concept before or have applied it to their events? So the main thing about adaptive experience design or experiential design is that at the center of the experience, it's always the group, the person experiencing the event. So we start from there. We start working like, okay, what do you want this person to feel? What do you want this person to take away? What do you want this person to experience? And from that, we build up. And when we're building up, we're taking into consideration all the inclusion, diversity, and multicultural aspects of it. So I will tell everybody who's looking into this to be flexible, to understand that maybe thinking outside the box is necessary because maybe the perfect uh, program schedule, like we walk in and we have a registration and we have a hospitality suite and we have a welcome reception and then we go into the second day, may not be the best for a program itself. So maybe be willing to tweak a little bit the timing, maybe being able to tweak a little bit the order, maybe be willing to do an out-of-the-box registration experience. Maybe that little step that will get you into a more um, connective flow with the attendees, because at the end of the day, it's about them. 
I love it. Well, hold that thought as we're taking just a short break to acknowledge our sponsor, and we will be right back to continue our conversation with our guest today, Jennifer Bello. Before we move any further, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our main sponsor, Trifan Events, which is a boutique event planning and production agency that will come alongside you, offering personalized event planning and technical support, strategic event design, production and technology management, and flawless execution for live, virtual, and hybrid events. The team at Trifan Events is passionate about planning and producing event experiences that get people involved with true moments of interaction, engagement, and co-creation while offering white glove treatment throughout the entire planning process, enabling you to reach your event goals with the use of creativity, production tools, and event technology. Find out how Trifun Events can plan and produce your event become memorable. Go to trifunevents.com. Coming back to our conversation here, I would love to change tracks just for a moment, Jennifer. And here's a bonus question for you. Have you found yourself needing to achieve a value with limited resources? And if so, what are some of the common maybe misconceptions that people have when it comes to being industrious and resourceful, especially as a minority? Uh, wow. I think that we all make it to those clients and those projects where we have to make castles uh, out of sand. Yeah. I mean, I think that those are one of the challenges that I like the most. Um, I've been doing it since I started my company. Um, I've been working without uh, that much uh, resources. I grew up in South America, which uh, doesn't give you like the best uh source uh to get materials and things to produce events um and we still did it and we still improvised and we still went through and i think that having that background and knowing that things can be done in different ways always allows me to have the perspective Mm -hmm. to figure it out there's always a way there's always an issue if you have worked with nonprofit, for anybody watching this you know what i'm talking about uh limited limited resources the best intention trying to guide the best uh, results that's part of what we do i think at least it has been part of my experience i'm wondering if you ever had like a situation where you're like okay here's a few four by fours make a house out of this make a seating design <laughs> what can you do with this yes. <laughs> yes oh my god it has been uh i have done sets out of uh this is the shop Everything that is here you can use, which is all pieces and scrap bits metal. that were left. <laughs> exactly. Scrap wood, scrap metal, scrap paint. There is just a shell for the last five years. Um, and we've done it. And I have had shows. Uh, I, I was working on a show, uh, Meet, this year, where it was all based on sponsorships. And two days before, the two main sponsors were like, ah, goodbye. We got booked and we're taking this paid job in another state. So we won't be able to do the show or the sponsorship. Um, So it's adaptive at its best. We just redesign. We reach out. We talk. uh, We figure what we could do with what we had. 
we redesigned the concept, not so much the look because we were already committed into a direction, but we redesigned the concept experience. We moved the layout and we made it work with the things that we had. And nobody except us knew any different. So that's part of adaptive uh, event design. It's making it to those corners. It's only you and, know. Yeah. And what one thing that I think it's so important to mention there is as well is actually was covered by one of a, a previous guest that uh, I was um, discussing the question with is this idea of how creativity does spur out of those moments of limited resources and I feel like that happens many times so much better than when you have all the resources at hand and yet you don't necessarily tap so much into your creativity because you're not necessarily forced to not that you can be it's just maybe you're not forced to really tap into it absolutely I go into the two extremes though if you let me and I have all the resources I will have the most crazy things happening um they don't necessarily have to be the most expensive. Mm -hmm. And that's where creativity comes into play. Um, the fact that you have unlimited budget, which is a dream, doesn't mean that you should have spent unlimited. Right. Uh, and in the case of uh, smaller budgets, uh, you are forced to look things in different aspects. It's like the same thing where stepping out of your comfort zone. Yeah. So you need to gain perspective. So when it's like, okay, how how can I use this in a different way? And I'm going to turn it around and I'm going to look at it in ways that I have never seen it before. And I'm going to try to use it in ways that maybe I haven't used it before because I'm looking at different perspectives, because I'm looking at different purposes, because I'm, I have an idea, because I have a goal that I have to reach. All those things, of course, uh, spur creativity and forces to go out there. But think about it. I don't know the first person that wakes up in the morning is like, I'm just going to make my life harder today. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, some of us do, and I may be guilty of that here and there, uh, but nobody really thinks like that. Our brain is not made to be like, oh, let's step out of the comfort zone every time. Let's look at things differently every time. Our brain, by design, is keeping us safe and the unknown is not safe. So when we look at something, we look in a way that is familiar to us. That part of the lessons that I have learned, having to look at things in different ways, having to learn different things, it's like sometimes I'm still learning. Sometimes yeah. I say things and people look at me like, what? Because I'm still learning even the language. Yeah. From the most basic, I keep myself teachable, I keep myself open, and that allows creativity to flow because I have huge, huge expectations of myself, but I don't judge my ideas or my thoughts based on that expectation, not I expect anybody around working with me to do that. Totally. Talking about waking up in the morning and making your life difficult. That was me this week, getting myself sick and done for basically right as I'm embracing my busiest month ever. <laughs> I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. no, what did I do to myself? Even my voice has changed. I'm sorry, guys. I'm coughing here secretly behind the mic and the well. mute button. Not just that, but you're also just went through a major uh, 
um, bodybuilding competition that you were extremely successful at. You Thank ran you. a marathon. Keeping myself busy, apparently, out of comfort zone all the time, pushing the limits, right? But I'm like, at this point, I'm like, man, can I just wake up one morning and be okay with just being? <laughs> I say the same thing, but then five minutes later, it's like, okay, what are we going to do today? Exactly. And there we go. There goes the plan to stay safe and just, you know, try something crazy again. Well, here's another thing that I wanted to touch on because it's something that it came to me as a recent study and uh, you having worked and, and me, I mean, we've been in the event industry for a, a bit of a, you know, half of our life, if you do the math, but we don't because we're still very young. It's somewhat, you know, not news, honestly, how on the production side of events and in general, there's a lot of diversity and inclusion challenges that women face in the industry, especially, you know, as immigrants, Hispanics, people of color. And while we all try really hard and work to prevent those challenges to taint the experiences that our clients and our audiences have, a recent study that I just um, got familiar with revealed that 85% of the overall events produced in our industry are planned and organized by females, but those females are not the ones in leading roles. And so in light of that, what would you say could be maybe some of the steps that could be done to change the current status quo and give more opportunities to women to embrace more technical, more challenging roles in events, or maybe make it more attractive for women to flourish in those roles, especially when it can be, you know, sometimes challenging, considering that we have so many different roles and not just as event professionals, but as caretakers, as mothers, as sisters, friends, and all the things and all the roles and hats that we wear. Absolutely. And I think it's so important that you bring this up because like I said, when I made it to the meetings industry, I realized that there were a ridiculous amount of women uh, working in the industry, but I also realized that the decisions were made by males at the top. And yeah. I think it's important what you're doing, creating a space for women to come together, to connect, to voice these things, to have a channel to voice these things to create spaces for us to go into those positions. I think it's important to support each other. I think it's important to believe and grow with each other into those directions. And once the ones that reach those uh, positions start opening the space in the table for other women to have a say. I think that that's fundamental. I think that that's the most important thing that we should be looking uh, for, for it to happen in the industry. I think we have a lot of work to do. The fact that it's 85% is a, an incredible underrepresentation in the decision-making process. And I think that the more we go into those places, the more opportunities are going to open. So keep doing this, keep opening a voice. On my side, I support every single woman out there there will never be a time that you see me out in the street in any of the events you're a woman it's like hey listen how are you i want to talk to you i want to connect i want to learn something i will be there for you i will listen to you i will talk to you i will use the over two decades of experience that i have doing this i will put them to your disposition for you to learn out of my experience for you to grow from them yeah. too 
Absolutely. And I am, you know, definitely testifying to that because I've seen you do that just by watching you during our fam trip. And <laughs> that was beautiful. And that's how I knew you are one of my people because I uh, like to surround myself with open-minded uh, females like that. Because let's be honest, in our industry, there's not a lot of women, but also some women, they're not always there to support and to build you up. We can certainly tear each other down really fast and in some very destructive ways, which we need to learn not to do. And we need to figure out how to coexist and make it happen, even if we might not have the right chemistry or whatever you want to call it. I also think that it's important to open the space, as you mentioned, and invite to the table new voices. I've seen a yes. time again and again where I would go to a conference. It's a women's conference. There is opportunity for more women to join and partake into that conference. And it's the same voices, the same people, the same presenters, same keynote. At this point, I'm thinking, why am I still going? Because I'm just going to hear the same thing. I want to hear from new people. I want to hear from new voices. I want to hear from some people that are so underrepresented in our community. They might not be the most known presenter or keynote out there, but let's put it on stage and let's hear what they have to say. And that goes back to us as organizers, as planners to think about those things. And I know sometimes it takes more legwork. There's definitely more yes. planning and legwork to go and do some research and find those voices that are not going to be the first thing that you see on your LinkedIn page, right? It's going to take some legwork to verify those resources and testify that this is what the right person should be for your event. But if we don't do any of those things, then we're just going to go the same way, old way, and expect change. And that's just not going to happen. That is correct. But I think that the biggest, the biggest enemy that we have is fear. Mm -hmm. I think that those women and a lot of them from my experience have worked really hard to reach those positions and they want to keep them and they're scared and they're scared of, of, of what they're risking. They're scared of opening the the door to somebody else who may not represent in the same way and make us look bad. And I think that that fear prevents women from seeing that the only way of succeeding is opening up. And that's my biggest beef is like fighting that fear. And uh, it's real. I, it's a real fear. Absolutely. Especially in an industry that a turnaround time is so quick, especially for positions like event planning teams, event management, event coordinators. I have people look at me in the face and tell me, I have women look at me in the face and tell me, it's like, you look too young to know what you're doing. I don't, I don't think I need to listen to your opinion. And I'm like, that's fantastic because I'm the person producing your event. Yeah. So it's, but I think that those come out of fear and predispositions and preconceived ideas. And biases sometimes. Biases. That's why mm -hmm. I keep saying that giving a voice and putting it out there and supporting women and keep repeating our story, it's important because we need to fight those biases. We need yeah. to fight those preconceptions. We need to be able to sit at a table and have the same strength in our voices that 
20 males have. That's a battle that I'm fighting for me and for all other women out there because it's not about me. But if I can make this industry a little bit more friendly for the women out there, I will definitely put my grain of salt into it. I love it. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation so far, Jen. And I would love to hear as a one last thought as we're coming to an end here, what is maybe a piece of advice that you like to leave some of the other women in the event industry, someone that maybe is new to the event industry and wants to pursue a career either in production or live events or events in general, anything that would be helpful for them as they plan this you know, new step for their future so the first thing that i will say is learn the meaning of the word resilience because that's going to be your oxygen in this field you're going to have to be resilient you're going to have to learn to grow a thicker skin you're going to have to learn to grow skills to protect you but at the same time be extremely soft from my own experience being a woman being young being an immigrant, having an accent, have a certain skin color, all of those things are going to play against people listening to you. But you have to keep going. You have to keep doing it. You have to have an incredible work ethic so nobody can point at you. And remember that when you're representing yourself and you're fighting to break a glass ceiling, you are breaking a glass ceiling not just for yourself. You're breaking a glass ceiling for all the women, for all the color women, for all the multi-ethnicity women for all the multicultural people behind you breaking that ceiling too, because you're opening a hole that they can pass. So yes, it may be a little hard at the beginning, but just keep going. I love that. Strong back, soft front. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I'm, I'm still dealing with that though. Sometimes people look at me, it's like, that was unnecessarily tough or rude. And it's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it that way. What I meant was this. And that's something really important too, accountability and learn how to apologize when you have to. We as women, we are being raised in a lot of cultures to apologize for everything, to apologize Mm -hmm. for being too loud, to apologize for being too strong, for apologize to being too direct, because that's not what women are supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I'm all of the opposite of what a woman is supposed to do and be. And I still, I don't apologize for who I am. I apologize if I need to, to a person for a situation, for something that I have accountability for. And I can be sympathetic with somebody in, under certain circumstances, but I learned that I will never, ever apologize for who I am. Never Absolutely. again. I feel like as strong women, sometimes we can certainly come across either too much or not enough. And you're just constantly in this, you know, diatomy, uh, two places at once where you're trying to figure out if you are going by someone else's opinion of who you are or who you're supposed to be, if you don't have enough confidence in yourself to just be who you are. I have this quote on my office wall. It's, I think, from Brené Brown. And it says, let go of who you think you're supposed to be and just embrace who you are. Correct. And I try to live by that because I've been way too many times finding myself into listening to left and right voices. And this voice would say, well, you're certainly too much. Or the other voice would say, well, you're not enough. And that can be such a terrifying place to be in where you're constantly trying to adjust to someone else's expectation. 
Absolutely. That's when you, you go to your tribe, to the people that really know you, to the people that really are there for you. And they may be in the industry. They may not. Not everybody needs to be in your tribe. That's the first thing. Actually, it should be really exclusive. But those are the people that you go when you doubt yourself because we all go through those moments and you're like, listen, I don't think I can do this. And they know you. Those people know you the same way that I know you. And I know that you're going to pull through your November because <laughs> you're a warrior. You. You Crossing fingers, knocking all the wood around. <laughs> You got this woman. Seriously, you have to have those people. You have to have that tribe, what I call your tribe, that's going to tell you it's like, uh, you're full of it. Or listen, you are not. You need to step up. I love it. Uh, well, that definitely can be added to that piece of advice because it's, like you said, so important to just not go at it alone. As much as sometimes you might be tempted to, because let's be honest, you know, not everybody's going to be for you. And yeah. that's okay. Not everybody has to get you. That's okay. That it's okay. It, I tell everybody, listen, I do my best. I love my clients. I love what I do. I will put my heart, my passion, my team, my knowledge, everything behind any event. But sometimes it's not what the client needs. It's not what the client wants or it's what they need, but they don't know it and they don't see it. And that's fine. You do you, you do the best that you think. And I will continue doing my best and working for those clients and those events and those experiences that allow me to bring them to that next level. And I'm happy with that. Well, Jen, thank you so much for sharing all the insightful tips that you've shared and your learned wisdom over the years, because obviously that has taken some lessons learned, right? So I'm curious, where would be a good place for our audience to connect with you if they would like to get in touch with you or just learn more from you and about you? They can go and visit the website, which actually will be up this week. Um, they can also uh, reach out to me uh, through social media. I'm not the best in social media, but I have uh, an amazing team that actually is. And you can always reach out on social media. You can reach out on LinkedIn. You can send me an email anytime. I'm here. I'm open for everybody. I'm always available. Of course, I have clients. I have events. I have commitments. But I will always make time for others. Always. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, everyone that's been listening to our podcast today. And um, Jen, I will hopefully see you soon in a flesh and bone sometimes in some other show that we run into each other. It sounds like this is our fate and I love it. <laughs> I'm not complaining. <laughs> me too. Me too. I think it's fabulous. I can't wait to see you every single time that I go to a show. I'm like, who's coming? Who am I going to get to see? I think about all of you, uh, the amazing women out there in this industry as my extended family, you know, my extended work family. And I love connecting in the show and I love being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you so much for doing this for all the women out there in this industry. Thank you so much for being such a good representation of what a technical producer is because it's a, such a hard role and such a hard hat to carry. And you do it so beautifully and so professionally that I just can only thank you for it. Thank you. I appreciate all the sweet and warm words that you've shared and the wisdom that you imparted with us. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Thank you so much. 
Okay, friends, this is it for today's episode. And if you'd like to learn more about Jen, make sure that you follow the episode notes in which I will have all the links that she mentioned. Also, you know, if you'd like to learn more about adaptive design experiences that she is working on, all of that will be in the episode notes. As much as I enjoyed being with you every single week, I must tell you, friends, that we will be taking a short absence here. November is panning out to be quite a month. And if you are a working event, you're probably experiencing the same thing. And I will be taking just a short break for the season during November and coming back strong with more episodes, with more amazing women, with more topics that we will be discussing don't go anywhere. There's plenty of episodes to check on and make sure that you listen to before we get some new ones on the docket. And in the meantime, I hope you stay safe, healthy, and keep doing what you're doing and keep kicking some ass. Have a wonderful, wonderful month ahead. Thank you for listening to the Events Demystified podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to review it, rate it, and share it with other event professionals that could benefit from it. Connect with us on social at Events Demystified Podcast. We would love to hear from you and what you're up to. If you'd like to learn more about Tree Fan Event Services and find out if we're a good fit in supporting your event, can we help your event be successful with a 20-minute free consultation? Link in the episode's notes. Thanks for tuning in.